You're listening to a podcast from Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, whose mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Good morning. My name is Doug. I'm one of the deacons here at Red Sea. And uh, with Royce gone, and with Josh gone, and with Chris being busy, uh, I was asked to just share God's word with us this morning, and so that's what I want to do. And I want to start with a question. Um, as many of you can tell from the gray hair on the side of my head, I've, I've seen a few, uh, few years in my life, and I remember a group, and they had a song, and the title of the song was Who Are You? And you may be more familiar with the song because it's also the theme song to the show CSI. Um, but that's my question right now, and I, I need some interactive help to answer this question. Who are you? So who's going to go first? Who are you? Okay, who are you? Okay. What else? Grandma. Oh, a grandma. That makes me a grandpa. Okay. <laughs> Someone else. Mother. Mother. Is that right? What else? Who are we? Who are you? Other. Say that one more time. Oh, thank you, Chris. See, the other thing I did as a kid is I listened to a lot of rock and roll and maybe the volume was too loud. Well, I'm a grandfather. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. And what else are we? I'm an employee. Uniquely you. Uniquely you. Okay. Christians. Well, that depends on how long you've lived in the state, right? <laughs> Oregonian. One more time. Neighbor. Thank you. This would have been a long exercise if I had to have come up with all of those. Um, so I appreciate your participation. As I thought about today, I, I came to the, and this isn't new, but I was reminded again that being a Christian isn't something I do. It's something, and it's who I am. 
It's not something I do. It's who I am. It's because of who I am, though, and whose I am, that I have something to do. And I want us to ponder that this morning. I want us to unpack that and break that down because I know that in the past I have confused this and at times I still struggle with this because I just see myself, and maybe this is a guy thing, I just see myself as a husband, a dad, an employee, a brother, a son, all of these roles and identities. And oh, by the way, I'm also a Christian. Okay? And, and um, so it was just another role. It was just another hat I'd go in and grab. Okay, today is Sunday morning. What do I do? Well, I put on my Christian hat and I go to the gathering. And I want us to challenge that a little bit because it's really easy to fall into that, just see it as one more hat, one more activity that I do. And I want to propose that it's, it's more than that. It's who we are. It's who I am. And oh, by the way, this isn't just a guy thing. <laughs> I've been married almost, almost 39 years. This is my wife, by the way, for you who are visiting. And I know that we, she wrestles with that too. And so I just want us to work together as we wrestle with this idea. No, I, I want to word it more strongly than that. This reality that Christianity isn't something I do. It's who I am. But it's because of who's I, who I am and whose I am that I have something to do. <clears throat> so let's start with <clears throat> let's start with the first phrase. Being a Christian isn't something I do. It's who I am. And I'm going to start then by identifying what I call some core identities, fundamental to who am I. And the first one can be found in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 30. And this identity is that we are in Christ. So Paul writes, For consider your calling, brothers, and sisters. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to, not to bring things, bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being may boast in the presence of God. And because of him, this is God, because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, let no one boast, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord." Let's point out one big thing right here that Paul was pointing out to the church at Corinth. He said, God did this. God is the one who places us in Christ. I want us just to think about that because we don't often live like, oh, by the way, God's 
from God's perspective and God's reality, he has placed me in Christ. In one way that's demonstrated and an aspect of that is that as a Christian, not only are we in Christ, we are justified. That's a nice churchy term. I've gone to church all my life. I've heard the term justification all my life. Well, let's take a minute. <laughs> let's see what the definition might be. Uh, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines justification as to show to be just, right, or reasonable. Typically for self-justification. <clears throat> By the way, our culture uses that all the time. So do we. We justify our actions. <clears throat> Another definition is to, sh to have, to show, and to have legal standing. Sufficient legal standing. Which is a little bit closer to the biblical usage of justification. Both Isaiah, an Old Testament prophet, and Paul declare that the best man's attempts to justify ourselves before a just, righteous, and holy God fall way short. Isaiah compares them to filth. So I want you to imagine the most disgusting thing that you can think of this morning. And when we try to justify ourselves before a holy God in this act of self-justification that we all do in every aspect of life, that's how God sees our self-justification. It doesn't measure up. It's pretty filthy. He's a holy God, and I'm not. But God took some action on our behalf. And we've talked a little bit about it the last week or two as we talked about the gospel. I'm just going to summarize it in one verse. 1 Corinthians 5.21 For he, this is God, for our sakes he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. The he is God. Now what does this, let me just elaborate on that. He took all of our sins. Now we know this, but we often just kind of downplay exactly what it means. He took all of our sins, past, present, and future he charged them to his son. He then judged and punished his sons for the sins that you and I have committed and will commit. I can't speak for you, but I am humbled and grateful when I let that sink in. I accepted Jesus when I was 14. By 14, I had done a lot of sins, okay? 
But on that August night, when God called me, he took those sins. He also took the sins I would commit between 14 and 63, and the sins I'll commit between 63 and the day he takes me home, and he put them on his son... And Jesus took my punishment. And the amazing thing about that is when I accepted God's salvation that night, God knew when he called me that I wouldn't be perfect from 14 to 63 any more than I was perfect from 1 to 14. And God called me and said, I want you to be my child. And yes, I know every sin you're going to commit and I have put it on my son. And, I, and God didn't stop there. He took Jesus' perfect righteousness and gave it to me and he basically said, here, here is perfect righteousness is from my son. He lived a perfect life. He obeyed me even to the point of taking your sins and my sins on the cross. And he said, here is his righteousness. All you have to do is accept it. That's justification. God making Jesus sin on our behalf and then God giving Jesus righteousness to us. <clears throat> and, that, and so how, one, how does one become justified? Well, number one, we need to admit like Isaiah and Paul wrote, guess what? All of our self-justification doesn't work. It falls way short. And then the other thing we do is accept by faith the reality of what God has done through Jesus. He has made us justified. Now, there's an author I want to quote, Jerry Bridges. He points out in the book, Who Am I? <laughs> he points out in the book, Who Am I?, Justification secures our legal relationship with God as a judge. In justifying us, God declares that we are righteous in Christ. And oh, by the way, he treats us as if we are righteous in Christ. Okay? And one of the ways he does that is he adopts us as his children. As Paul writes to the church at Ephesians in verse one, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, even as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters, okay? through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. So God made us justified. 
as if we had never sinned, giving us Christ's righteousness. And then he adopted us. He restored this relationship that he wanted to have with his people from the beginning in the garden. Walk with me. Talk with me. Do life with me. I am a holy God. I am a loving God. I am a compassionate God. I want to do life with you. I don't need to. I just want to. That's what I want to do. And he restored that. He adopted us. It's like, okay, I did nothing. I did nothing. He just said, I'm adopting you, Doug. I'm adopting you for my good pleasure. He adopted us also to give us an inheritance. First Peter 1, 3 and 4, Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance that will never perish, that's undefiled, it's unfading, kept in heaven for you. Another scripture someone declares, and I believe it's Paul, we are joint heirs with Christ. I don't know about you, I often don't go through my day considering myself a joint heir with Jesus. But that's what I am. That's who I am. That's who we are. We are joint heirs with Jesus. <clears throat> So where justification took care of the legal standing, adoption, according to Jerry Bridges, secures our family relationship with God. Through adoption, God makes us his children. So we've looked at just some key foundational pieces of this question, who am I? Being a Christian isn't, you know, something I do. It's who I am. So we've looked at that. But it's because of who I am. We're going to transition now. It's because of who I am and whose I am that I have something to do. And we're going to start with a verse that I can remember memorizing in vacation Bible school. <clears throat> Acts 1.9. No, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The dictionary, again, defines witness. It's one who can attest to a fact or event. It's one that can give evidence. It's one who has personal knowledge of something. When Jesus tells the disciples this verse, there are two aspects to it. The first aspect is an identity aspect. Everyone is going to be a witness to something or someone. 
Jesus, right before his ascension, made it very clear to his disciples that you are my witnesses. You're not just anybody's witness. You are my witness. And since we have been justified by God, and since we've been adopted by God, we are also called to be witnesses. Because, see, Jesus made it clear with the word my, there's a, there's a possessive aspect of that. Because of what I've done, I own you. You're mine. I own you. Now, we live in America. I'm sorry, nobody owns us. It's a foreign concept. Nobody owns us. My brothers and sisters, God thinks otherwise. Jesus thinks otherwise. Yes, we are his children, but we were purchased with an incredible price. So the first aspect is identity and and ownership. The second aspect is the one we typically think of. We're to tell. The disciples had seen what Jesus had done. They'd seen the miracles. Many of them, a few of them had seen the transfiguration. They had seen the crucifixion. Oh, by the way, they were with Jesus when he gave them this. So they saw the death and the resurrection. And Peter also got to experience God's forgiveness because he denied Jesus three times on the night that Jesus was arrested. They could testify to that. And Jesus is saying, just go tell. As you go about to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth, tell what you have seen. Tell what you have witnessed. We're not just witnesses, though. We're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his. That's God's own possession. Peter writes about that to a group of Jews. They would be familiar with this. He said, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his, for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This verse kind of, no, doesn't kind of. It clearly states it is because of who I am and whose I am, I'm God's, that I have something to do. We proclaim, in this case, proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you. And proclaim is just another way to say you're to witness. Okay? 
So being a Christian isn't something I do. Okay? It's who I am. I am in Christ. I am justified. I am his child and God has done that with that. But because of who I am and whose I am, we've seen that God has given us something to do. As I mentioned above, everyone is a witness. Everyone is telling some story with their life, verbal and nonverbal. So we listed a bunch of identities, and I like them. And the overall, you know, all of these identities are founded upon the fact that I'm in Christ, that I have been justified by God, and that I'm a God's child. And it's because of that, or as part of that, I do these other things Things, these other identities founded on who I am. Okay? I am in Christ. I am justified. I'm his child. And I approach all of these others with that foundation. So my question this morning is, whose story are you and I telling? Is our lives and our life and our lives together demonstrating and witnessing who we are in Christ? After all, we have, if we call ourselves Christians, we have personal knowledge of what Jesus has done for us. No one can take that away. When I sit back and tell someone what God has done for me, that's my experience. That's what I can witness, okay? So because we, God has saved us, we, ha- we can attest to something. <clears throat> but maybe, maybe we don't always get it. Now here's why I mean that. Here's why I say that. For many years, my identity was based upon my performance. Not Jesus' performance, my performance. And the problem is with that is I'm a somewhat of a perfectionist, okay? So here's the dilemma. If I think that the gospel and my relationship with God is based upon my performance and I'm not doing real well, okay? which as a perfectionist, as I mentioned, all the time I wasn't doing well, okay? I was reluctant to share anything about the gospel because the gospel as I understood it wasn't working. Okay? So I wasn't going to share something that I didn't, from an experiential standpoint, wasn't working. And maybe that's where some of you find yourself this morning. Wait a second. Okay? The gospel as I know it isn't working. Well, wait a second. The truth is, 
You are in Christ. The truth is, you have been justified. Every sin that you've ever committed or will do was placed upon Jesus, and you have been justified. That doesn't give us a license to sin. Just the opposite. In gratitude, we should sit back and say, I don't want to sin. I have been put in Christ. I don't want to sin. So if you're, if this morning, if you're wrestling with, well, wait a second. All my life I viewed the gospel from a performance standpoint. I want to challenge you to rethink that. It is a gospel based upon performance, but not ours. Entirely based upon Jesus. Okay? And that's the reality of it. It's not based, that reality isn't based upon feelings, it's based upon faith. It's based upon a devotional faith. This is what God said he would do. It's based upon a confessional faith saying, I confess this. This is who I am in Jesus. And it's based upon a functional faith because we live our lives that way in all these other roles. That, I, that, I, that I'm a child of God. He accepts me. He has justified me. He has given me Jesus' righteousness. Maybe it's because we make witnessing too hard. When I was a kid, and I had three, two older brothers, and no, I had an older brother, younger brother, and a sister. Okay? When I was a kid, and this analogy works for me, it may not work for you, I would brag that my dad was bigger and tougher than your dad. Anybody else relate to that? Okay. My question to you is, do you view God that way? After all, he is the creator of the universe. He is the one who justifies us. He is mighty. He is holy. He is kind. He is good. He is loving. He provides for us. Do we view God that way? Maybe witnessing is just as easy as bragging on our dad. On our heavenly father. This is who he is. He's bigger than anybody else. Maybe it's as simple as bragging on who God is, what he has done, and who we are in Christ. Let's pray. Father, it is amazing to think about who we are in you, what you have done. And I thank you, Father, that Christianity isn't something I do. It's who you have made us to be. We are your children. We are in Christ. We have been justified. And we have been adopted. And I ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, every day you will help us to tell ourselves the gospel so that we can live our lives in the identity and the reality of who we are in you.
Amen. I just want to end with a couple things, a couple, couple verses, because maybe this morning you need to do a little confession. And I just want to remind us that as we go to communion, that John says, and John was an apostle, he wrote in one of his letters, he said, if we confess our sins, that he, that's God, is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us up from all unrighteousness. But another verse also applies this morning. It's in Romans. Paul reminds the Romans that since they are in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Jesus from the law of sin and death, from the law of trying to justify ourselves before a holy God. I want you to feel free to come and take communion. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please visit us at www.redseachurch.org or contact us at info at redseachurch.org.